This is Austin Pace with BYU-Idaho Radio, and I'm joined today by Brother Michael T. Nelson, the second counselor in the Young Men's General Presidency. Brother Michael Nelson was sustained as second counselor in the Young Men's General Presidency for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on April 1st, 2023. His previous church service includes president of the California San Bernardino Mission, stake president, counselor in a stake presidency, stake executive secretary, bishop, Warren stake young men president, and missionary in the Chile Santiago Mission. Thank you for joining me, Brother Nelson. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Austin. Awesome. So tell me a bit about you and your family. I'm married to the girl of my dreams. <laughs> it can happen. We have nine children. Barbara grew up in California in the Bay Area, and her family moved back to Salt Lake. She attended BYU. I attended BYU at different times. She came back to Salt Lake to learn to be a nurse at the BYU Center there. I was in Provo. We met in our young adult program in Salt Lake. We have nine children and 20 grandchildren, one expected this week and another one expected later, later in the year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. So life's good. Life is good. That's awesome. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about your devotional address that you will be giving here in just an hour. Um, So your address is titled A Familiar Ring. Could you tell me a little bit about the inspiration for this chosen topic? Sure. The inspiration was very clear that this is a wonderful life and that we were taught truths in our pre-mortal existence by our Heavenly Father, that we made choices there with full knowledge, having been taught about the plan and about all the truths. President Boyd K. Packer spoke to mission leaders and told them that a missionary or a teacher is not putting something new into someone's mind, but is connecting with the Spirit, bringing those things back to their remembrance of what we were taught in our pre-mortal life. And President Packer concluded by saying the gospel will have a familiar ring to those people who hear those truths. So in your address, you talk a little bit about the state of probation talked about in Second Nephi 2.21. You go on to say, and, and I quote, we might interpret the phrase a state of probation as evidence that we were sent here having done something wrong and that this life is a time of supervised parole. But God isn't some divine parole officer who sees us as erring convicts who expects us to earn our way back into his presence through good behavior. We are not that on that kind of probation. This life is a time of probation, a realm where we can try, prove, and learn by our own experience. Could you elaborate a little more on that and the message you wish to convey to the students and staff listening? Sure. You read that with such precise uh enthusiasm and conviction that maybe we ought to have you uh, give the talk today and, uh, and I'll elaborate uh, for your radio audience. This is a time here in life with bodies that uh, house our spirits for us to learn those truths, to experience those truths in a more real way. We learned and, and knew so much in our pre-mortal life the technical aspects of things. I think we use the example of H2O, that we possibly learned and knew exactly what two parts of hydrogen and one part oxygen was, but we had no reference to it at all. We didn't know what water felt like, what it tasted like, but we come to this life, to this time, and we have the opportunity to actually put to the test those truths. We, We knew about pain, but we didn't feel pain. And here with our bodies, we can feel pain. We saw joy, 
in our Heavenly Father. Here is where we experience that contrast between joy and the darkness and the despair that is at a contrast of that eternal joy we feel as we come in connection and gain a testimony of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So this life can either be looked at as a time that we are under a microscope, we're in a test. It is a test not to prove naughty or nice, but to prove which kind of laws and which kind of truths we will adopt uh, to live in our eternal life. President Oaks and President Nelson both spoke in this last conference in October and talked about us inheriting or receiving the glory connected with those laws that we comfortably learn to embrace here in this life. So I'm hoping, Austin, that uh, with this message that we see life as a glorious opportunity to experience, that we actually have a lot of fun doing it. And the great blessing is because of the Savior Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice in this process of learning, we will make mistakes, but they will not be fatal if we hold to the atonement of Jesus Christ. I guess what you're kind of saying is like the state of probation is really just a state of us trying new things and experiencing what we saw because we, we saw our father in heaven. And like you were saying, we saw the joy that he felt and we knew what that concept was. We just weren't able to feel it for ourselves. So we're here to feel what our heavenly father wants us to feel and become like he is. Exactly. And we will be comfortable with the glory we receive. Here's the opportunity to decide what that glory is going to be. There's a section in your address titled, Experience Allows Choice. You say in this section that our choices reflect our desires. Righteous desires make it easier to make righteous choices. Are your choices filling your life with lasting joy that comes from Heavenly Father instead of the momentary happiness of mortality? So could you elaborate a little more on this statement? How have you seen this principle come to life in either your own personal life or in the lives of others? I think that the young adults and the youth, all of us, but more the young adults of today than of my day when I was a young adult, have the opportunity to see what true lasting joy is. Uh, There's a lot of momentary happiness, a lot of fun, a lot of exhilaration, a lot of um, interest in doing and experiencing. Much of that is uh, almost like an amusement park rather than finding the joy, which is a, a lasting experience. We can be happy even in a family experience but we have the greatest depth of joy when we understand that through the atonement of Jesus Christ, we can be together as a family. It's that eternal state of being happy that is true joy. A big difference between joy and happiness. Joy encompasses happiness But a lot of happiness is simply momentary, but not lasting into eternity. And so when President Nelson says to us to think celestial, he has always loved to ski, to snow ski. He has taken his family snow skiing. That was one of their annual vacations. And uh, that's, that's happiness. That's 
pure happiness. He's asking us to think celestial. So maybe we look at skiing even differently. It's not just the exhilaration of coming down a, a mountain, but it's who we're with, who we're building a relationship with, and that we're building that relationship for an eternal life, not just for this life. The adversary is very, very good with all of the things that look like happiness. <laughs> we need to see beyond that and actually pursue joy while we enjoy the happy things in life. I heard a quote somewhere, um, and I probably am quoting it completely wrong, but it was it goes along the lines of, it's not about this life, but who you spend this life with. And that can be not only like our family members, but also, like you said, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? If we choose to follow him and actually find where true joy lies, because like you said, the devil's really good at making the bad things of the world look like they bring happiness. But like you said, happiness is temporary, whereas joy, as it encompasses happiness, is eternal. And it's, it's more of an eternal concept where we can only find true joy with the Savior and in doing those activities with the ones that we love. My family, we love to do anything sports, anything outdoors, everything like that. And this last Christmas break, we're from Arizona, so the weather was beautiful all Christmas break. And we were just outside playing pickleball, riding bikes. And it was those moments where I kind of, there were a few times where I kind of just looked around and I thought, wow, this is awesome. Like I feel so happy and I'm, I'm with my family. This is something that we love to do. And, you know, thinking about it now, I can only imagine what this afterlife is going to bring living with our father in heaven and experiencing true joy that we can't comprehend here on earth. Wonderful. Great message. Great message, Austin. In the Book of Mormon, Ammon is teaching Lamoni. It's interesting that as Lamoni falls into this, let's call it a trance, but they think he's dead. His wife assures them that he's not dead. And in there, we learn that the Spirit is bringing things to his mind and teaching him and that he is uh, having joy infused into his mind and body. That infusion of joy is a result of him being taught and understanding, remembering the atonement of Jesus Christ, that he can wake back up and that his wife is there and that he can be redeemed and saved into the next life in a glorious state. I like to put everywhere there's a reference to joy in the scriptures, there is usually, if not always, surrounding that a reference and an acknowledgement of the atonement of Jesus Christ. It's because of the eternal nature that the atonement of Jesus Christ provides for us that brings that joy. So here you are with your family in Arizona. It's beautiful, the sunshine, the sky, pickleball activities. That is happiness, which is good. You add the, the eternal perspective of that, the celestial perspective of that, that you will live with Heavenly Father, that you can live with your family, those you love, eternally. That's where the joy takes us beyond a moment of happiness into a realm of eternal joy. It's actually what we're pursuing. 
So there's an interesting topic that you chose to talk about in your address about obsessions. You say often we think of all the obsessions that could replace God, but are there things we should obsess over? How can you know what these things are? And I thought those were super interesting questions. So I, I wanted to ask you those questions. Are there things we should obsess over? And if so, how can we know what they are? It was interesting that President Nelson is where that uh, quote comes from in this last conference. And he said that, says that anything that we obsess over, he included food, he included many things that we see as not bad, as good, that if we obsess over it, that can become our God. Our obsession in a positive way might be that we obsess over learning everything Heavenly Father taught and is helping us to experience in this life. So we can obsess over anything that leads us back into thinking celestial. Just that simple. And, and I don't know what all of that is, but so many things. It, it is interesting to me, President Nelson is such a good example. He loves the outdoors. He loves the creation of this world. He loves the stars. He loves the rivers. You just see and feel that in him. And so he isn't at a whiteboard in a seminary class all the time. He's studying his scriptures. We've seen that. He uses the scriptures as his guide, but he loves the creation. He, and my guess is he obsesses over anything that has to do with Heavenly Father in this creation. So it really is just looking for the beautiful things that God has provided for us. Those are the things we should obsess over. Like, I guess, like you said, like the creation, the scriptures, those gospel topics, Jesus Christ, all of those, we should be obsessing over those and putting our focus and our obsession on eternal concepts instead of worldly obsessions or possessions. So we go out. I like to mountain bike. I like to ski. I can either obsess over the bike and what I can do with that bike or what I can do on my skis. A more eternal obsession might be to be out experiencing the creation, not just the experience of the event. So obsessing the journey more than what's taking you on that journey. You speak very well, Austin. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you described that very well. So, We're here for a journey. This is a journey. So your address seems to have a general theme of choice. What is a piece of advice you would like to leave with students and staff here at BYU-Idaho to help them first make right choices and second feel validated in the choices they've made? The Spirit as our companion will be a guide. We may obsess over being so right and avoiding the wrong that we possibly become paralyzed and so we cease to act and the world will act upon us if we don't positively and deliberately choose to act. And so um, we live within, the, within this guidance of the Spirit. We're learning. That's part of this journey. We won't be perfect at it. Heavenly Father provided His Son, Jesus Christ, to offer up the method of allowing us to learn and not be permanently stopped by our choices. And so coupling the atonement of Jesus Christ with the companionship of the Holy Ghost, let's just make choices and go do. In my perspective or in my view, we are more obsessed over being right, that 
we are almost not acting. And so the world is acting upon us. Let's lead out, let's act, and let's make choices. In October of 2022, Elder Uchtdorf presented in General Conference a new For the Strength of Youth, a Guide for Making Choices, very different than previous versions of the Strength of Youth Guide. It is filled with teaching us truths rather than teaching us a list of do's and do nots. When we understand the truths, we will be motivated to do right. When we understand truths, we will know how to correct when we don't do right. And so the For the Strength of Youth guide that came out when many of your listening audience possibly were still in high school is a great guide to bring forward into their lives of young adults. Uh, It's good for parents. It's very helpful for parents to use in teaching children. It appears that we are coming across the planes of, of a prescriptive set of things to do and not do as members of the church and coming into a valley of understanding the truths that underlie and govern those correct behaviors. So it isn't a matter that old rules do not apply. It's simply that our motivation was simply to comply without even understanding. In order to teach the world, we need to understand the why and live according to the why and not according to just a set of rules. I was on my mission when that new pamphlet came out, and that was a fantastic guide that helped us teach a lot of the youth. Most of them were very recent converts, and they they saw the, the, the original for the Strength of Youth guide, and they're like, oh my goodness, there's so many rules. How do I memorize them all? But it was after that when that new guide came out that we were teaching them. It was We were trying to teach them the principles before, but it was just it was a bit harder. With that guide, they were able to read and understand, okay, this is why we shouldn't do this thing. I'm going to make that choice for myself because I understand. So I think that that guide was, was perfect, and it, it was released at a perfect time. That is a great point, Austin. You said I'm able to make that choice for myself. And ultimately, going back to our earlier discussion, it is the choices we make. And so to make the choice for ourselves, rather than just complying, allows us to declare ourselves and what kind of life we want to live in the next, the next life. Very Thank well so put. Thank you. That was Brother Michael T. Nelson, second counselor in the Young Men General Presidency. Thank you again for joining me, Brother Nelson. Thank you, Austin. Great to be here. Nice to know you.